Oh, I can't believe it. I love you, champ. I love you, Hey, what up? Are you good? Yes, brother. Really good. Like, champ, let me ask you a question. Keep it 100. Keep it, keep it as real as you possibly can. If, yeah, you ain't feel, if you ain't feeling it, you ain't feeling it. Who would you rather see? Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones or versus Shannon the Cannon Briggs? I think Shannon the Cannon versus Mike Tyson is a much more, it's a much better fight because I'll, I'll explain to people why I say this because okay, thank you. Roy Jones is a very skillful fighter, very good, but True. I think he's, he's too light and too small for Mike Tyson. I think Thanks. it don't matter how old Mike is, as soon as Mike touches him, you know, we see Roy Jones get, you know, as soon as Mike touches him, it's going to be a problem. I think it's a much more for, 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 for excitement, your Mike Tyson is a much better fight. And I think it's, um, it's a much, it's an even fight as well. Your Mike Tyson, two big punches, two aggressive guys. Hey, can you imagine, can you imagine the press conference? Can you imagine the, the hype before the fight, champ? I don't think Mike would fight you, though, because you're too dangerous for Mike right now. I think maybe if he have, if he have one or two fights, maybe. Yes. I don't think he'll fight you in a comeback fight. No way. It's too, yeah. if I was his manager, I would say no. Don't fight Shannon because it's too dangerous for, for you right now. But I'm chilling. Look, I'm home puffing on a, a, a you know, a split. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but, but, champ, you, you're probably the most dangerous heavyweight in the first three rounds <laughs> ever. First three true, rounds. true, true, true. After the third, it's over. But after, for the first three... Now, obviously, your boxing skills and stuff kicked in after the third round. First rounds for you. Yeah. You've been dangerous in the first... I think you probably you probably got the most some um, heavyweight knockouts in the first round. I think true, though, true, true, true. How you look? You looking good, champ? You training? Yeah, I'm training. I'm getting ready for the rematch. Uh, I know you're gonna knock him dead. Look at you. I know you're gonna knock him dead. It's all right. Yeah. But champ, box smart. You heard him. He only got three rounds in him. He yeah. he was he was tired, and then he threw that. But he was running out of gas. That's why every time he touched him, he kept falling because he yeah. was, he a three round fighter. He he, he old man. He old how much three of them? Yeah. After three rounds, he's dead. So you know that now. Hard jab, hard jab. Box the shit out of him, and then he's gonna be dead after three. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, um, you know what happened? I trained so hard for such. A, you know, people tell you, oh, he's a dangerous fighter, he's a strong fighter. He's this. Yeah. So in your head, subconsciously, you think you expected. You go to the fight expecting a killer and someone that's dangerous, and then you get there, and then. Everything you worked in in camp is working so well. You sort of think, all right, mm, let me yeah. relax a bit. And then, you know, and that's what happened. But it's all good, though. It's all good. No. It's all, 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 all great. But listen, I want you to be careful one thing. He's going to say, he was trying to throw the, the left hook to the body. When you cover up straight like this, you, yeah. you're leaving that side open. That's why they say go to the side. Because like this, champ, he was, he was reaching around. And then, and then that's going to leave up the middle. If you just turn a little bit, is the reason why they say turn. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I like to square up too. Like Mike Tyson, I like to square up. But the squaring up, it makes that, it makes that, that reach around. You hey, feel Jack, me? I just got one thing to say. That yes, Archie Moore. I just got to do the Archie Moore. That's all I got to do. <laughs> I just got to do. Gotta get that. that, that that's all I got to do. The Archie Moore. That's all that's I got to do. It. Archie Moore, Zuma Nelson. That's, that's it. If you know, that's you know. It. That's all I got to do. That's it. That's, that's right. It. That's you it. Know, Josh That's Foreman, it. you know, just we know Josh Foreman the mummy. No one can that, you know. But, but be talk, careful. But, but be careful because he might try to hook you high on the head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be yeah. careful. You know what I'm saying? He might try to hook you. You already know, champ. Listen. Good luck. <laughs> Do your thing. You're gonna win the rematch. I'm supporting you. Everybody support you. We love you, champ. You the best. Let's you got go, the champ. best. You got the best personality in the heavyweight division, champ. champ. We love champ. you, man. Do you gotta learn, you gotta learn from the best. 
You know, one more. Let's go, champ, for the people around the let's world. Let's go, champ. Let's, let's go. go. Let's go. All right, brother. Have a good Be day. Be good, champ. Have a Peace, great day, champ. Peace. Respect. My boy. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to our YouTube channel, make sure you do so by clicking this icon right here, or else. Struggling with debt? Bills, loans, credit cards? Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Razavani for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. With me on Zoom today on this very hot Sunday afternoon here yeah. uh, in the south of the country. Uh, with me, my man, Case Ashpat. Case, uh, firstly, how are we doing? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, we were just talking a little bit off camera. I'm just congratulating you on your newborn. Uh, how is he, first of all? He's great. Growing, growing fast. He's near, nearly five months, so uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's beautiful. It must have been a, a weird uh, kind of last few months. Obviously, we've all been in a national lockdown. Um, but then having the baby on top, have you no fight date as well? So kind of, have you been training, ticking along, or has the baby just kept you up all night that you haven't had the time to train? So it's been, it's been mad because, um, so I was, obviously, I knew the missus was due uh, when she was. I was trying to get a date right before, or like a few weeks before. But then a few weeks before, Sorry, three days. I was I was looking here in the back. I was literally on weight, and three days before the fight was meant to happen. So three days yeah before the lockdown happened. So I was all over the place. I'd made weight. I was fuming. Pizza made it better, but um, yeah, I was in shape already. Then lockdown happened. I had a bit of time off, and now once obviously things have eased off a bit, and we can get back to training. I'm back in camp now, and I'm fighting October seventeenth now. I was going to say because I remember it wasn't. I believe it wasn't a matchroom show, but it was a. It was a. It's a boxing card. I believe I saw a poster of you of you fighting. So was that? Was yeah, that it was. Thing? Yeah, because of the lack of dates, because Ramadan was coming up as well, because the lack of dates with that, and obviously with the, with the baby on the way, we um, had to rush it in really, and we got it in uh, on on a Steve Wood show. It was. It was a lot to take over. I used to keep busy because I had boxing last November, but either way, it didn't happen and. Uh, yeah, moved move, moved on from there now. Having having the little one, has it kind of just brought back another, like, kind of give you another form of desire, or has it made you realise that now it's not about you anymore? It's, you know, you've got a little family now, and it you just got to work harder. Yeah, that's it. I've, don't know. I was I was always a hard worker anyway, but now I've got so, even more to work hard for. Everything I do now is for him. You know, uh, that's definitely an extra bit of motivation. Does help 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 in the gym a lot. It that's a bit of desire. Gives you actually a little push when it does get hard in training and you remember that you know what? It's not just for me no more. It's my family. It's a great motivation. No, absolutely. Case okay, so you've uh, you've had a re a reshuffle uh, of your team. I know you've changed your, your management team and you've changed your coaching team now. I just want to give us a bit of an update on and who manages you and kind of I know who trains you, but if you want to let everybody know who, who you're training with now. Yeah, and management-wise, it's yet to be announced, so I can't really give too much away on that yet. Um, and that'll probably be announced around, around the fight time, I believe, uh, maybe a few weeks before. Um, but coach-wise, I'm with Angel Fernandez now, um, a great coach. Um, he's actually based in Surrey, but we've all relocated to Loughborough University now. Obviously, if you know about your unis and sports, and you'll know Loughborough University in terms of sports, 
it's unbelievable. I think it's something like five years in a row. It's been awarded the best university for sports, I believe, in the world. Um, so that just shows what sort, what sort of facilities and where where we're working out now. But um, yeah, so maybe Angel Fernandez. We've got another coach as well who's from Loughborough, uh, Mikola Markovic, who's a Ukrainian coach. Um, so yeah, we've got a great setup uh, down at, at the university, and we've got I think well four boxers. One's on the way. We've got me, Charles Frankham, Richard Riapko, and we've got Sultan Zolbeck coming from Kazakhstan in about a week, I think. So, yeah, great team to work with, great facilities, and I'm really loving training again, and I'm, I'm feeling the best I've felt in a long time. How does that mean, sort of living arrangements? Are you, are you all in, like, one house uh, put together? Or um, at the moment, we're in, like, uh, the student accommodations. Um, me, we're literally all separate rooms, but it's, like, it's a shared kitchen with me. Angel and Charles. Charles literally across the road from me. Um, sorry, across the corridor. And uh, Angel down, down the corridor. But um, yeah, we, we live really close. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good environment to be in, especially with all the other athletes around. Um, you see them going for runs, working hard. They've been, some of them have been in, in like their little training camps for, for months now. And you're thinking, you know, that they're, they're way off season yet. But they show that athlete's mentality in the way an athlete's mentality should be and that makes it that much easier for us to go out maybe if me and Charles need to do a run or need to go on the hill or anything like that it makes it easier for us to go out and and do that and do it properly just by seeing all the athletes around okay so you've been a professional what uh two and a half years or so now eight fights about eight wins. um you've you've changed your team quite quite quickly into your career was it something that you just needed and a, a different change and need a, a kind of a new environment yeah, definitely. Um, I just felt, in in my opinion, I just need to move on. I need to, like I say, a new environment, something fresh. And obviously, as it came with that, I've, I've been changing management teams now as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I just need the change and it's made me, it's rejuvenated me in many ways. It's made me feel fresher. And uh, like I say, I, I believe it was the best decision for me because I know right now I'm feeling amazing for it. What's kind of the, the career goals now? Um, I know you're you're out October seventeen on the Ritson Vasquez card. Um, I'm guessing that'd be a tick of a kind of opponent because you've been out a year. But what's kind of the the next twelve to eighteen months looking like? Is it is it British level, European level? I want to move on as, as fast as I can, as fast as obviously everyone thinks I'm ready. Um, I think the thing is with the British level, obviously with a Warren fighter having the title, um, it does make it a bit harder. But obviously recently. There have been a few conversations between Eddie and uh, Warren. But, um, I believe it's Brad Foster who's got the title, right? Brad Foster, yeah. yeah. Um, if, if that fight happens, great. I want that fight, as soon, I'll fight that fight sooner rather than later. But um, if it doesn't happen, then we move on. Um, I've, I'd love to win the British and the Commonwealth and the European, but my main goal um, when all is said and done is to be a world champion and multi-weight world champion, uh, I'd, I'd love to be. Okay, so let me just talk to you a little bit about current society. Is it is it quite scary to think, obviously, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, that we potentially could go into another national lockdown? There's talks about a mini lockdown for the next six months. Is it scary? Because obviously for fighters, you guys just don't get, you don't get paid unless you fight. So is it, is it scary not knowing where, like, this whole scenario is just having an effect on your career and slowing you down? Yeah, it definitely is. Because like I said, I've not boxed since last November already. That's, I'm, I'm 27 now. I'm not no spring chicken no more, you know what I mean? Um, I'm looking to move on as, as, as soon as I can and obviously when, when the lockdowns happening all that stuff's going on makes it a lot harder um, 
but yeah, it was very scary for me. The first, the first thing when when it first happened was obviously with the baby coming. That's that's was, as you, I know you've had a baby yourself as well. That in itself was a scary situation. But um, yeah, in terms of boxing, I'd have loved to have three, four fights, fights this year. Whether it's one or two, it's you know now it's it's even even one maybe a struggle just looking at the uh, the current news in, in in the media. But yeah, like I say, it's it's scary, but let's just hope we get through it and everything goes well and everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. So I'm not really too, too worried. I do want to fight. I can't wait to fight. But at the same time, it's great to have a... That's what's important to have a good management team around you as well because sometimes you need to think of other ways to, to make that money when you're not making money. And it's great to have management and people to help you on that, on that side as well. I know Eddie Hamm was quite optimistic uh, a couple of months ago around August time that potentially and hopefully ar around the Ritson card crowds will be allowed back in um, whether it's a thousand or five hundred looks like that's not going to happen so is it going to be weird fighting without a crowd friends family that come normally to your fights you know what personally it doesn't bother me um, don't get me wrong it's, it, is an, it can be an extra boost at times and it does help from time to time but you seem to have the right mentality. And you've got to remember with me being an amateur and boxing GB for eight years, I boxed around the world where well, sometimes family couldn't come or in arenas where you're in the middle of nowhere, there's no one even there, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so it isn't going to bother me in terms of that sense. Like I say, for all the fighters, I need to have the right, right mindset. Um, I do get the whole thing where people might go into the into, into fights with that sparring mentality, but at the same time, still, you, you, you know it's a fight. You know you got to win. Obviously, with sparring, there's no wins or losers. And well, the way the way I see it, anyway, it's just learning. But um, yeah, you just have to have to have the right mentality. And I believe, in my opinion, I have that that right mentality, and it's not gonna not gonna bother me too much at all. As you mentioned there, just finally as well uh, about obviously Brad Foster having the British title for your weight category, and there were you're optimistic that obviously Frank Warren and Eddie Hand, there's there's talks in the year potentially they're gonna meet as well and discuss potential fights, but surely them meeting and putting their fights together can only be good for boxing. Yeah, definitely, because like I say, it's that kind of a divide at the moment in England, isn't it? Where Eddie's got his fighters, Warren's got got his fighters, and it's they don't really seem to there's very 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 rare occasions where they do actually fight. But there are some great British fights to be made. Um to name to name the first one top off the top of my head, uh, Boatsy and Yad. Um they're obviously opposite opposite sides and that's that's one fight that everyone would love to see. But I mean yeah, there's some great fights to be made. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. That's between that's between them two. But you know, we kind of be optimistic and uh, like I say for, for me in my career, it would be great because I want that British and Commonwealth title. Um but at the same time you've got to look at um logistics and if they can get something uh, sorted together all right okay so i appreciate you jumping on this afternoon give me a little bit of your time uh, wish you nothing but continuous uh, good health through this crazy period and your family as well, uh, well. Wish, wish you all the best uh, october 17 i'm sure one of us from the team will be down covering the fight and uh, we'll catch up with you in more depth face to face definitely no worries top man appreciate your call Case Ashra for IFL TV. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. With that, bills, loans, credit cards. Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters.
Danny Flexen for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by Lou DeBella for episode number 23 of DeBella's Digest. We went and we checked and we made sure we got it right this week. How's your week been, Lou? It's been okay. I mean, you know, Danny, I, I, I need things to change dramatically because I feel like I'm in Groundhog's Day and it's getting very difficult. Yeah, it's been a long time. And people don't understand. I, I, I watch, you know, I, I, I look at comments that boxing fans and pundits make on uh on various social media because i obviously have a lot of time on my hands and i've probably been spending way too much time on social media but i, I look at these comments and people are like well no one you know where you don't know how to do anything in covid don't worry i don't have to do it. i'm not allowed to do anything you fucking moron i mean you know you know it's like i i can't do a show in new york all right and and, and the only and by the way you see eddie doing a lot of shows in america right now where's his big schedule of american shows I mean, right now it's difficult times over here and, and it's not a matter of not trying. I mean, I, I've been able to place about 20% of my fighters in fights so far during the pandemic. I think that's remarkable, you know, and, and, and there's, but there's not much I can do. I am, I'm not going to do an unsafe show, period. And I don't have a, a, a streaming service or a network backing me to go into a bubble and spend a fortune on boxing right now. And if you look at it, even Top Rank, who's been very, very active and they've been on top of their game, but they don't have a schedule yet for November and December. They have a schedule in October. Right now, November, December, they, they, they're not scheduled. The Zone hasn't firmly scheduled its, its stuff in the fall. And we're still in a completely a complete time of uncertainty. So stop criticizing people when you're not paying attention to what's going on. You know, everybody's got an opinion, you know, but... You know, come on, be, be be fair. Be fair to people, you know? And, um, you know, it is what it is. I'm frustrated, man. But, you know, I'm doing the best I can. And, and I'm trying to do the best I can by my fighters, you know? And I think a lot of them understand because a lot of them are in the same situation I can. A lot of my fighters do have other jobs that they can't do right now. And, 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 that, and, and a lot of them are having to accommodate their lifestyles to these very uncertain and difficult times. You know, I mean, it's very easy for, you know, I, I saw another exchange today on the Internet. It was a bunch of people talking about why more women fighters aren't signed. Well, maybe use your brain. Why do you think so many are being signed right now in the UK? Because they're inexpensive championship quality programming. Yeah, That's why not be, you know, not because there's altruism working. And by the way, I have a load of women fighters signed, but there's not a single platform in the United States of America that so far that has done an all woman show. There's not a single platform in the United States of America that has a woman's series. There's not a single platform in the United States of America that has a champion that has a champion for women's boxing. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and listen to criticism or have people point me out of where are you, what are you doing right now? How come your women aren't fighting? I've been, I haven't made any money on women's boxing in the last 10 years. And I've been one of its biggest proponents on the planet. And the reason why I'm okay with that is because the women are the ones really suffering. The, 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 the quality women that are out there, the championship caliber women that are out there, I mean, that aren't making any money and have no place to, to showcase their talents. I'm, I'm doing the best I can to try to open new doors. And I think, God willing, in the next few months, you're going to hear of some doors opening for women a little bit more over here in the United States. I'm crossing my fingers on that and I'm praying for it, but I'm having some discussions along with other people that maybe will amount to something. I can't speak more about that right now, but hopefully when it happens, people will understand that I'm not sitting on my hands. 
We don't think that, Lou. We, we know that you're working hard for your fighters. It must be immensely frustrating at the moment, the environment that you're in. Um, you mentioned about the zone not announcing many fights over in the US at the moment. That's completely right. Um, but they have just announced, or rather Eddie Hearns announced his autumn schedule in the UK. A um, couple of smaller shows, the uh, zone and Sky Sports here are going to be showing the World Boxing Super Series final uh, between Breedis and Dorsakos. But I guess the highlight of the announcement was that the Dillian White, uh, Alexander Povetkin rematch has been set for November 21st. And the main- yeah, I, I told you all, I told you all along, Danny, that I gave Eddie a lot of credit for, for, you know, trying to get that in the ring as quickly as he can. I think that, I think he's being smart. I think a lot of people watched that show. It was, it was dramatic. You know, Dillian's a star in the UK. This is his, this is make it or break it for Dillian. You know, he knows what's at stake. I've, I've actually communicated with Dillian and I know that he knows what's at stake. And, um, I'm looking forward to the fight. And I, and I think that it's a good thing that Matchroom put that on the schedule. I think that's a, a fight that boxing fans, particularly in the UK, want to see. But as just someone that's a hardcore boxing fan myself and a, a boxing person, I, I, I am looking forward to that card. You know, Eddie, Eddie's going to continue to be a force. Uh, in boxing, look, Eddie's a major force in boxing, and in the UK, uh, you know, I think Matchroom has has at the moment the best stable in the UK, um, and, and and I think that the schedule that I've I've saw laid out for the fall in the UK is is quality. I mean, I think it's a mix. There are some fights that are less significant, but there are some fights of great significance. Uh, I'm, you know, I I think that that's a step. I'm a little concerned about the state of boxing in the U.S., but, I, you know, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming, and I, and I don't think... I think zone will continue to be a force in boxing, but I don't expect zone to put as much emphasis on America as they did previously. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I don't think they're going to disappear here. I don't. But, I, but I, I, I think the emphasis is changing, and that's okay. I mean, thing, you know, businesses have to adapt to to their their reality and their circumstances. And I think that's what the zone's trying to do right now. And you said you'd communicated with Dillian. Did he reach out to you? Did you reach out to him? How did that come about? No, no, we like we DM each other over the years, you know, now and then. I mean I, we we both have a great love of dogs and, and uh when he, he lost his dog last year, I reached out to him and then I lost my dog like a month later. And um, you know, I, I, I like I like him as a person. You know what I mean? So like, you know, we, we communicate, not any business, but I, you know, I just wished him well. And, you know, I, 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 I gave him a word of encouragement after the fight. I mean, I thought he won every second of that Povetkin fight pretty much other than that, that incredible shot. Uh, you know, and I told him just, you gotta, you gotta, you know, I told him what he already knew, you know, you lean in a little bit and you gotta watch out for the uppercut. And if you, if you avoid the uppercut, you're going to beat him in the rematch and, you know, but, um, so it's not like we're buddies, but we, you know, we communicate a little bit. And I, I, I am a fan of him. I think he's been a very hardworking and impro- heavyweight over the last couple of years. And, and I felt badly for him um, when, when things got derailed with that punch. But, you know, that, that was he, he succumbed to the risk that Povetkin brought to the table. You know, and I, and I think now um, I'm really interested in the rematch because I think, I think if he avoids that that danger and, and that pitfall and, and he's a little bit more careful um i think he's going to be back on track now we talked about the lack of the zone fights in the u.s schedule but one that we are looking at for the full schedule is devin haney's 
defence of the WBC lightweight title. And something came out on social media maybe a week ago, maybe a few days ago, saying it's going to be either Gary Russell Jr. or Yuri Gamboa. And I immediately responded and said, so it's Gamboa then. Because it never looked like... Yeah, the, 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 the Gary Russell Jr., it, it's all bullshit. It's not going to be Gary Russell Jr. Um, I mean, if you followed all the nonsense that was on uh, social media and the internet, you know, conversations between the Haney's and, and, and Gary and whatever, you know. I mean, if, if, if that fight's going to happen, it's going to be PBC and Al Heyman's people negotiating um, with Eddie. And I don't see any evidence that that's happened. And I don't believe that it's going, I mean, there's no chance in my, I don't see it being Gary Russell Jr. I mean, if it's Gamboa, it's a name. But frankly, I'm not particularly excited about the fight. I don't give Gamboa any chance to beat Devin Haney. None. None. And I respect Gamboa, but he's in a different place in his career. And it's, uh, I, I view that as a pretty much just a name and a notch on Haney's belt. I agree with you. And I think it's underlined as well by the fact that we're going to see Lomachenko against Lopez around the same time period for all the belts except Haney's. It would have been good if Haney had a credible opponent against him for his part. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I, 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 I would, I think Haney is, is, is massively talented and I would prefer to see Haney in a fight. Other guy brings a risk or, or a challenge to the table. Say what you will about Gary Russell. If it could be made, he's a master boxer and, and it's much more, even though he's too small, honestly, he's too small, but if put it this way, if Haney, if Gary Russell was fighting Gamboa, I know who I would pick. So I know who I'd rather see Haney fight. And just on a, a more, well, throwback to a gentler time, perhaps. Today is the anniversary of one of the best fights in history, Thomas Hearns against Sugar Ray Leonard, way back in 1981, the year I was born, strangely enough. Um, probably about a month after I was born, actually, because it's what, September the 16th. Yeah, so a month after I was born. Do you remember where you were when you watched it? When I watched the Leonard Hearns fight, yeah, I actually do remember where I was. I was at a buddy of mine's uh, apartment with about fifteen other guys getting wasted. Yes, I do remember watching that fight. Yes. What What are your memories of it? I mean, obviously a bit hazy as it was so long ago, and as you were, you know, wasted. But what What do you remember of it? It was an incredibly dramatic fight. I I. I've always been a fan of, of Ray and I've always been a fan of Tommy, but to be quite honest, my heart was with Tommy back then. Um, later in, la later in my career, I got to really know Ray and become a close friend. So, you know, it might've been a different situation, but, but as a kid, you know, I love Tommy's punching power. I love the whole Kronk thing. And, um, and Tom, I mean, I'm just, I was a huge Tommy. I mean, really other than Ali, as when I was a young guy, Tommy Hearns was, was one of my favorite fighters. So I, I was probably, I was rooting for Tommy. Um, I also remember watching the, the fight that I thought Tommy won. The, uh, you know, and, and, and I remember being so crestfallen uh, in that, you know, watching. I, I, have a, I have a greater memory of that fight because I was like celebrating at the end of the, the fight, you know, believing that Tommy was going to get the decision. And then I was crestfallen when Ray got that decision, you know. I thought Tommy should have, should have had that win against Ray. I thought he earned it. Do you think we'll ever see an, an era or a minor era like that again, where you've got the four guys 
all supreme around the same weights, all fighting each other? Or does current boxing dynamic make that unlikely? Current boxing dynamic clearly makes that unlikely. I mean, you have a very unhappy Bud Crawford taking criticism, a lot of which is undeserved, some of which might be accurate, but through no fault of his, through no fault of his. But you have the best welterweight, arguably, in the world, not fighting the best welterweights in the world because there are different avenues. Um, you know, the, the, the system that's... this. Look, by the, by the way, you and I talked a while back. You asked me a question about what I thought about, you know, uh, Frank Warren and, and Eddie Hearn talking, and nothing's come out of that, right? No, I don't think they've even met up since. Because everybody blows smoke, but the smoke is bullshit. It's bullshit. Because people have their, they have their own deals, their own exclusivities, and it just simply doesn't make it easy to match up people because you have to decide what streaming service or network or pay-per-view service is going to get the benefit of that big fight. And there's a reason why you're not seeing this happen, and you haven't seen it for the last four or five years, you know? The system that exists right now doesn't work the same way the system that dictates how judges are selected and, and, and the system of judging doesn't work. But until we make major changes, none of it's going to work. And maybe bo boxing needs to further bottom out, you know, before the changes are made that are necessary. You know, I've always told you, Danny, and I've, I'm sound like a broken record. Boxing's eternal. We're not going anyplace. We'll be around. But how marginal will we be? How much of a niche sport will we be? And we're heading, we're marginalizing ourselves around the world and we're, we're becoming more of a niche sport around the world. And if people don't want to admit that, it's just they don't want to admit it. It's not that it's not true. Right now is a time period with boxing being marginalized through no fault of its own. This is a time when promoters should be coming together, surely, and broadcasters. Yeah, but the, you know, the promoters and broadcasters are seeking content. A lot of them are having economic difficulties. You know, the corporations are having economic difficulties. It's not just the zone. If people don't think that this pandemic and and uh, what's happened in sports is affecting other television outlets and streaming outlets, it's not just the zone. Um, though the zone may be the most most pronounced right now for boxing fans in terms of what they're witnessing. You know, these are these are sort of difficult times. But um, no, there's no evidence of anybody working together. There's much more evidence of people separately fighting for survival in their own lane, in their own lane. You know, I, I'm seeing no evidence of people getting together for the good of boxing, for the good of, of the fan, you know, for, for the product that we're providing to fans. I don't see any evidence of that. Well, on that somber note, I'll let you get back to your Groundhog Day. Um, but hopefully next week brings better news um, for you and for your stable of fighters. Yeah, look, I mean, th some things are happening. I'm having, I'm, I'm, I am in discussions that a, a number of which will be fruitful. I'm continuing to negotiate the the, the Junior Fa Parker fight in New Zealand. I think that will happen. We're very close. Um, I've, I've been having ongoing conversations with with uh, David Higgins, and I expect they'll continue later today. Um, I'm, I'm I'm working toward a deal to uh, to do some more stuff with Rodney Berman and Golden Gloves Promotions in South Africa. Um, I'm going to co-promote Kevin Lorena. You're, you're getting a piece of news, but I'm going to co-promote Ke Kevin Lorena with, 
with Rodney. Uh, we haven't announced it yet formally, but we're working on it. I, I, I'm really impressed with Lorena. I spent a little time talking to him and getting to know him a little bit lately. Um, I also think he's a terrific athlete, and I think he has the ability not only to be uh, a potentially a cruiserweight, unified cruiserweight champion, I think that he can make uh, some noise in the heavyweight division when he's ready to move up to that division. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So I'm not sitting on my hands. I'm working on a lot of things. Um, you got to just keep going out there. I, I saw a tweet from Mike Tyson today. I retweeted it. And he said something like, you know, if you get knocked down a hundred times, you got to get up a hundred times yeah. and you got a hundred lessons. And, and, that, and that really resonated with me. And, and um, you know, this is a time for where we're all getting knocked down a little bit. We got to get up brush ourselves off and figure out how to move forward. And, and that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and I'm not letting the trolls bother me. And, uh, and, uh, and I, and I'm, I've been grateful for the most part for the fact that the majority of my fighters, when I, we communicate and, and we talk, uh, you know, they're adults, they get it. Um, they understand we're doing the best we can. And, and um, I don't want any of my fighters to make stupid you know, decisions right now during this pandemic. I don't want to put a fighter in an incredibly high risk situation for no money. If they, if I wouldn't have done that deal before the pandemic, I don't want to see them put their whole career at risk, you know, now out of desperation. So I'm trying to help them more deal with the desperation than I am to put them into a situation that's disadvantageous. And, um, and by the way, anyone who's paying attention knows that even the even the, the biggest deals out there, you know, the PBC, uh, you know, mat, Matchroom fighters, ESPN fighters, there are a lot of fighters that are still inactive during this. And there are a lot of fighters making decisions that they're not willing to take short money to take high risk. So it's, it, it, it's a, you know, it, it's a difficult world to jockey right now. We all got to make the decisions we think are best for ourselves. That includes fighters, that includes promoters, that includes people that don't work in boxing. So it is what it is, and, and, and we'll get through it. There's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, Danny. And on that note, on a positive note, I'm going to say goodbye, and I'll get back to my office. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, Luke. Speak soon. Take care. Brilliant. So Danny Flexen for seconds out. Delighted to be joined by Marco Kalic, due to fight Joshua Buatzi, October the 4th, um, here in the UK. Just first of all, tell us a little bit about how the fight came about when you were when you agreed to it. Uh, I agreed to uh, in Saturday. I, I uh, signed the contract, but. Uh, the fight was uh, we were talking about the fight the last uh, last month so so uh, I'm training I'm ready so we we are ready to fight and you've been uh, preparing for him for a little while what how much do you know about him how much have you watched of Buatsi I know him uh, from uh, since amateurs and uh, I watch him also his professional uh, a part of a career and uh, I know he is a strong fighter, good uh, boxing uh, IQ, a uh, good technician, but uh, I also believe in my boxing abilities, so uh, I will be ready. 
Do you know where exactly the fight will take place? Have you been told the venue yet? No, 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 not yet. Does that worry you? And are you concerned about fighting with no fans as well? Um, for me, it's, it's the same. So because uh, I fight in England, so uh, I, I I will not have uh, too much uh, people around me who who are cheering for me. So so for me, it's the same. Tell us a little bit about your own career. So when did you first start boxing? Oh, uh, I have a lot of amateur fights around 180, something like that. Uh, my professional debut was uh, in 2016. After after Olympic qualification, I lost in the final in, in Venezuela. Uh, I, I, I was short for, for one fight, so... After that, uh, I turned uh, professional in 2016. So uh, my first uh, two fights, three fights, was for SAS from Germany, and after that, uh, I signed with uh, my promoter from Sweden, and the rest is history. What age were you when you first started boxing? Were you very young? Uh, no, no, I was like. Uh, 2029 when you started 20. amateur boxing oh no no amateur oh, sorry <laughs> uh, sorry sorry uh 15 okay 15 16 yeah why did you stay as an amateur for such a long time why did you not turn professional earlier in your life yeah you know uh, back in the days professional here was not that popular and uh, I was always uh, chasing Olympics. So in 2012, I fell short for uh, one fight also. So I was waiting 2016. And then uh, in 2016, I was uh, lost in the final again. And uh, after that, I said, let's go to professionals. And did you ever cross paths with Joshua Boazzi when you were both amateurs or, or no? No, no, no. Actually, in amateur, I was fighting in, in 91 kilos in heavyweight. Sure. And that's why. Okay. But you were aware of him. You saw him when you yeah. were both amateurs. Of course, I was in the European Championship 2015 when he was, uh, I think, bronze medal. So I, I know him. Yeah, he's a good fighter. Uh, I watch him. Uh, so... I will be ready. Do you think his team have made a mistake in picking you as the opponent? Obviously, you're ambitious, you're unbeaten, you're a very good amateur. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think you have the advantages in the fight? What do you see as your main strengths as a boxer? My main strength, uh, I'm taller than most of my opponents, but uh, also uh, my, my technician, so my counter punches and uh, stuff like that. My boxing IQ. What would a victory over Joshua Buatzi, who's got quite a higher profile, what would that do for your career? Uh, a lot. So I, I will be known in the, in the boxing community. In the, you know, Eddie Hearn, he's the best boxing promoter in the world right now. So... Uh, I will prove myself uh, in the big stage. So this fight, uh, this win will be a lot for me. And have you been to the UK before? Maybe not for boxing, but just generally? Yeah, yeah I was in 2012, I think, in WSB. Okay. Uh, 
fighting yeah against Joe War from Ireland. How, how in, did you win? Did you lose? Yeah, I lost the fight. Joe Ward's a very good amateur though. Always yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. And um, just tell us a little bit about your life outside of boxing. You have a family. Yeah, of course. Uh, I have uh, my wife and uh, my son. He's uh, one years old now. Uh, I'm, I'm a boxing coach also in the gym. So I pretty much is uh, all about family and boxing. <laughs> what sort of things do you like to do when you're not boxing, apart from coaching, of course? Uh, I watch uh, football. I watch uh, basketball. It's, it's sports, you know. I play a lot uh, football and basketball and uh, with my friends, chill with my friends and stuff like that. Normal. What What made you choose boxing as your sport when you were 15? Why not football or basketball or something else? Yeah, I was playing football also, basketball. Uh, I was training karate for six years. Uh, and uh, But uh, my father is my coach. He was a boxer, so I was in the gym all, all the time. So it will be. It, it was a uh, just a matter of time. When will I start boxing? And who are your kind of boxing heroes or people you watch that you like to to watch as as boxers? I've uh, watched uh, many boxers. Uh, maybe my favorite boxer is uh, Evander Holyfield. Okay. What, uh, why Holyfield? He's a. Uh, he's just a. Uh, he's a brave guy. He's a. Uh, he can fight with uh, anybody, with with uh, fighter, with uh, technician, with everybody. He adapts to any any style, and he he have a courageous heart. And for people out there who are unsure if they're going to watch uh, the fight with Buatzi on the fourth of October, what sort of fight do you expect it to be? Uh, I expect that uh, he will go forward, and. Uh, I will try to counter punch him and uh, but I'm also ready to to play fire with fire so yeah. do you worry about um, getting a decision if it goes to full distance here in the UK no I'm not uh, my main focus is just to do my best and uh, hopefully hopefully trying to win Good stuff. And just before we let you go, how can people out there find you on social media so they can follow you more? Uh, Marcus Mark uh, uh, 007. And that's on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, on Instagram, yeah. Sorry. Instagram. On Instagram. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate your time and I look forward to seeing you when you're in the UK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Brilliant. So Danny Flexen for seconds out. Delighted to be joined by a trainer, Mark Tibbs. Mark, how you doing? Not bad, Dan. Not bad, mate. Uh, holding up. Uh, getting a bit of sun by the look of it? No, I wish. Um, I've been in the gym this morning and um, gone to pick my son up from school. He's in the park with the missus. And I'm just grabbing a bit of rest while I can. <laughs> Good stuff. We'll talk about your 
thriving stable in a minute. But just first of all, tell us what it feels like to have almost a completely different stable now than you had, say, a year ago. Well, um, to be honest with you, I'm kind of building again, uh, so to speak. Uh, I've got, I've been, you know, I've had a lot of fighters around me that want to do this and want to do that, but because of the current situation with, uh, you know, the government um, restrictions, it's been very, very difficult to get anyone uh, into a, into a training regime, so to speak. So what I have been doing is um, keeping my gym. Um, ticking over and, and trying to spot new talents and, and whatnot. But uh, I've, uh, I'm excited about Johnny Fisher, the new heavyweight. Um, and I've also linked up back with Billy Joe Saunders. So there's, uh, there's some, um, there should be some news soon coming out. Well, I think you've just made the news. <laughs> I mean, where, yeah. how, how, did, how did that come about? Um... Well, Bill contacted me a few weeks ago now. It might have been a couple of months ago, and we done it. We had a couple of sessions and whatnot, and then uh, we just uh, had a chat with with uh, what was going on regardless regarding his career, and uh, and we're, we're knuckling down now and hopefully getting ready for a, a date. That's great stuff. So now you've got someone top level in the gym, world champion, experienced. He'll be a great person to have around the younger guys, you would think, James Hall, Lee Harvey Horn, and of course, Johnny Fisher, who you just mentioned. Yeah, he's, a, he's going to be a great asset. And uh, But he's, he's, he's uh, the Billy Joe Sauna's business is his business, and uh, the Johnny Fisher's business is his business, and the Harvey Horn business, etc., etc. But it's always good to have uh, someone like Billy Joe Saunders in, in, in the camp to uh, make everyone feed off of. And uh, hopefully that's what will happen. You worked with Billy Joe before, of course, near the start of his, well, no, at the start of his pro career from his debut um, alongside your dad. Has he changed at all since then? Is it going to be a different type of relationship these days? Well, I was I was my dad's assistant uh, back then and... Uh, and my dad took Billy Joe Saunders from Southern Area Champion right the way through to World Champion. Yep. So, you know, and I was there on the journey. And uh, so I know Billy Joe, you know, very, 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 very well. And um, he's he has matured uh, in his uh, in his in his thinking. And uh, I really believe that we're going to bring something new to the table. You know, there's not much there more to bring. He's a superb, uh, talented boxer. Uh, but, you know, we will bring some some other, hopefully we'll bring some, uh, a couple of more ingredients to the game and it will, will be paramount in his, in his work. And it's a crucial stage of his career as well, isn't it? Because he's already a two-weight world champion, but he hasn't quite been able to nail down those big fights that, that people are going to remember long after he's retired. I guess that's what happens next. Well, yeah, I hope so because uh, I mean, because we we've worked so long uh, with Billy Joe Saunders, uh, I kind of followed his career even when when uh, him and my dad parted ways. But uh, so I always kept my eye on him and took an interest in what he was doing, and oh, very very frustrated for him and and for the fans at times because you know he's in a talent, he's a, he's a talent where 
no one's seen the best of him yet. And I really believe the best is yet to come. But I also say to Billy Joe, now listen, when you use your when you use your, when you lose your youth, yeah, in in any fighter or any any uh, any athlete, when they lose their youth, it's like losing a member of your family, and it really is. So he's got a window there. Uh, his window right now is is, is his best years and uh, is his business years, and he's got to really take advantage of that and and really not. Not, not let him go by, so to speak, Dan. If you know what I mean, because he will, will, will definitely regret it if he does. But um, he's shown very, very good enthusiasm, very, very good hunger, and that winning mentality, which I've always seen in him, is still there, still, still very much there. And you know, he's, he's a winner. He wants if you want to, if you want to have a game of cards or a flick a coin, he has to win. So. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but you're like that as well. So who wins then? <laughs> It'd have to be a draw, would it? <laughs> no, but listen, it's uh, hopefully we, we, we'll see. You know, we've got off to a good start, and that's, it's exciting for sure. And Johnny Fisher, we're, I think we're all excited about him. Any idea when his debut's going to be? Has that been worked out? Well, there's talk of him fighting in December. Um, talk of him fighting in, in December, and. That's about right for me, to tell you the truth, to get to know him, uh, to get to work with him and try to bring his, his boxing IQ up, you know, to, to, to a level where whereas I'm going to be happy in him having his debut. And uh, we've, uh, we're, doing, we're in the process of doing that. Yeah, for sure. But uh, no, I'm excited about him. But hopefully there's talks about him, him fighting in December. And Harvey Horn, I know last time we spoke to you, there was a... He didn't have a promotional uh, guidance behind him at the time. Uh, anything changed in that regard? Is that anyone picked him up? Well, last time I spoke to him, he, he was with a, a firm called Wasabi Media or something, something like that. But they're very well known and uh, they're managing him. And they was uh, looking at working with some big promoters. So, but to be honest with you, um, I've been travelling a little bit, training. Uh, last couple of weeks, and uh, I do, I will touch base with Harvey at some point, probably this evening. Yeah. And James Hawley, how excited are you about him? He's only 21, isn't he? James, I'm really frustrated for James. He's only 21, but he's got big, big gahonis, and uh, <laughs> he has got, a, he has got a real good boxing ability. And you don't have to tell him, don't have to encourage him to fight. He, he wants to fight, but uh, he's a really good, good boxer, and. Uh, He's only 21, I believe, but, you know, he's uh, got a meeting with a board uh, very soon. He's waiting for a, for a letter to uh, sort out one or two things. But I'm hoping he can uh, do the right thing and, and I'll, I'll be able to start mixing him with good domestic fights. And uh, I'm happy to do 50-50s with him at his level he's at because uh, I like him. And uh, he's, he's, that, he's, he's of that character where he welcomes that. Without going into detail, presumably the board meeting is to do with the thing we saw on social media, the video or whatever, which, I, which I'm thinking is more down to naivety of youth than anything else. Stupidity and, and like you say, naivety. You know, it's very unacceptable and uh, he realises that. But we've had him in and, in and around certain people in the gym because, you know, we are in and around certain people and he's really matured and... Uh, and uh, he's really towed the line and, you know, I want him to 
toe the line and do the right thing. And uh, it was a stupid thing he said. And we've all said them, you know, in the past. And uh, we've all kicked ourselves from time to time. <laughs> Me more uh, than most. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you got to, you know, pick yourself up and do the right thing and hopefully make things right. Hi there, I'm Danny Flex and welcome to the latest edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here Mondays, 4.30pm, to look back on the boxing action of the weekend, although on the quiet weekends, like the one just gone, we tend to reflect on some broader topics. Um, and this week, I haven't really had a chance to do this yet, we put out a breaking news alert about it, but we haven't really looked at it in any great detail, and that's the Matchroom and Sky Sports Autumn Schedule, the four shows that were announced last week. Um, and having a, a look over them. The highlight, of course, Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin 2, which we'll talk about in due course. But there's two other matchroom shows before that, and even earlier than that, and this is something we'll be previewing on Flexpectations on Thursday, is the WBSS Cruiserweight Final between Marius Breedis and Uniel Dortikos. Sky have just picked this up, which is great news for hardcore boxing fans all around. I think, you know, I did a recent interview with Adam Smith, the full cuts going out this week. And you'll see in that that he says one of the reasons they picked that up and not some of the US shows like the Charlos next week, or at least I think that's going to be on fight.tv now, is that it's still on that crucial for them uh, UK time around 10, 10, 15 for the main event, which the WBSS, which is coming from Germany, will be. Um, so you can kind of understand that. But it's going to be a great fight regardless. I think um, the way the WBSS is set up, even though it's going to be in a TV studio, there'll be certain modifications this time. The way it's set up, the ring entrances, the um, video packages, the audio, everything that they do around it makes it feel like a special event. And then you've got the fight itself. Um, they've both worked hard to get here, um, battled through. Obviously, there was a contentious decision um, or contentious stoppage rather in the semi-final win for Breedis um, against Glavotsky, who will later this year fight for a vacant world title against Lawrence Okoli. Hopefully later this year, I should say. We don't know what's going to happen in terms of lockdowns and so on. And then con controversy aside, you're looking at Breedis, very good technical boxer, good mover, nice work rate, um, and can punch a bit as well. But robbed of his usual vociferous home support out in Latvia. Um, no crowds at the moment, of course. Plus, it's taking place in Germany anyway. Um, so not in Latvia as was originally intended, which I think may be a bit of a blow for him, um, against Dordkos, who's a huge puncher, um, and also can box a bit as well, you know, he's Cuban, product of their amateur system, but more of a seek and destroy fighter, more so than a, a kind of careful mover, but he's got that big shot, he can counter effectively as well, um, and it might be a bit of a chess match early on, I don't want to go too much into the preview, but it's definitely an exciting fight for the Sky Sports subscribers. They follow that up with a couple of smaller shows. One um, is Joshua Buatzi making his long-awaited return to the ring at light heavyweight against the unbeaten but largely untested. And I think we could say Buatzi's largely untested, but this guy is even more untested, and that's Marco Kalic of Croatia. 
very good amateur, but stayed amateur for a, an incredibly long time. Um, you'll see an interview of him on the channel probably before you watch this, or it'll, uh, it'll certainly be out before you watch this. I don't know if you're going to watch it or not, um, where he talks about why he stayed amateur for so long. Uh, he's very confident going into the fight. He's a counter puncher. He's got good skills, good boxing IQ. Um, but going up against Buatzi, who just seems to be a bit more poised and ruthless and has that composure and that aggression, that natural finishing instincts as well. But he has been out of the ring for a while. Um, no crown in attendance, which is going to mess with everyone, I guess. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. Uh, John Harding Jr. against Linus Adofia, Udofia, sorry, for the English middleweight title on the card is a really interesting fight, as is the savage Alan Babich getting his first real test as a pro against Niall Kennedy. Um, my interview with Niall went up last night where he talks about working as a policeman in Ireland at the same time as training as a professional boxer, why he's fought most of his professional career in the US, um, and his battles with depression and mental health issues in the past, which I know some people have already messaged him saying they found really inspiring. So that's a really good heavyweight fight as well. So I think that's one where the undercard might prove to be better than the main event. Then you've got October the 17th in Newcastle, which originally I wasn't particularly excited about. And I really like watching Lewis Ritson box, even though he's been dodging my attempts for an interview for at least three months. We're actually, you know, quite good friends and stuff. I just don't think he likes doing interviews particularly. Um, I hope, anyway. Um, but yeah, so he was going in the main event as he waits for a world title shot, hopefully up at £140 against Miguel Vasquez. Now, no one looks good against Miguel Vasquez, former world champion down at lightweight in the veteran stage of his career now. He's awkward. He's rangy. Bit of a spoiler. Most people felt he was unlucky not to get the decision over O'Hara Davis in a previous visit to this country. So it'll be a tough fight for Ritson, but it probably won't be pleasing on the eye either. And when we have seen Ritson struggle in the past, it has been against awkward fighters that take him rounds. And Vasquez is certainly durable. Um, so I'm not particularly excited about the main event, I have to say. On the undercard, though, you've got Joe Laws, who's always in a good fight. But more importantly, female world title fight, which seems to be in vogue at the moment. Uh, vacant WBO middleweight title given up by Clarissa Shields. Her promotional stablemate and former opponent, Hannah Rankin will fight for it against Savannah Marshall, former world amateur champion, Team GB rep, unbeaten pro, big puncher, going down to middleweight for the first time, I believe. Um, so it's kind of her amateur pedigree and power against the greater professional experience and seasoning and just general ability of Hannah Rankin. It's an excellent fight, excellent crossroads fight and for a world title, um, fully deserved. Probably should be the main event in fairness, but Lewis Ritson's obviously the bigger name. And um, if it was still in Newcastle, we don't know what's going to happen venue wise. He'd be the big ticket seller, the big local star as well. But, you know, in terms of quality of the match and what's at stake, the main event really probably should be Hannah Rankin and Savannah Marshall. Um, but it depends how Sky wants to market it, I guess. Um, and then the fourth of the shows that were announced, the biggest one, the, Scott, the only box office out of the four, is Dillian White's quick turnaround rematch, 91 days, with the man who separated him temporarily from his senses, Alexander Povetkin, with that massive left uppercut, which has to be the shot of the year, even though we've still got, what, three months left. Maybe that's another challenge for Dillian White, you know, dispatching his nemesis, former conqueror, with such a good shot that it displaces or replaces, supplants, I'm just showing off now, his, uh, his former conqueror in the best punch of the year or best knockout of the year stakes. 
I do worry for Wyatt going back in so soon. Not so much physically, more mentally, getting over the shock of that defeat and the manner of it. Um, but if he feels ready and the close team around him feels he's ready, who am I to argue? Um, Povetkin will only be boosted in confidence and I think he'll also benefit from being out again so quickly. He only did, obviously, four and a bit rounds. Um, so he's not going to be tired. He'll have gone pretty much straight back into training camp. Um, and buoyed by the confidence of such a crushing victory quite late on in his career. Um, I think he'll come in full of confidence. No crowd, as far as we know at the moment. Although it's not until November 21st. So things could change by then. Um, but behind closed doors, once again, I think that suits Povetkin. Because Wyatt in the UK would be a big crowd favourite. Um, and it's just a really intriguing fight. I was pilloried in some quarters for saying the first fight or the first show rather I didn't feel was pay-per-view worthy at £20. Um, I said I, I thought I would have paid maybe a tenner for it but 20 was too much considering it seemed like a you know a, a, an all right main event but the undercard wasn't great and the undercard we originally promised didn't end up materialising. This time around almost regardless of the undercard I think I'd be willing to pay 20 quid for it because it's so much of a bigger fight now just because of what happened in the first fight. Now there's real intrigue. Can White come back? Is he going to be the same fighter? Will he be gun-shy? You know, because, you know, if he throws, he might get countered. On the flip side, can Povetkin reproduce such a great moment? Will he need to be more consistent this time? Because for most people, White had won all the rounds leading up and Povetkin had been dropped twice before finding that shot as well. So there's a lot of unanswered questions. You know, it'll be White's second fight with a new full-time training team outside of Mark Tibbs. So that's interesting too. So I'm really looking forward to the rematch. And I will, you know, I don't think he's eating my words because I still think that on paper, the first show didn't look um, worth my 20 quid of my relatively hard-earned cash. But this time around, yeah, could take my money. I'm happy to, to do so. But all in all, as a package, I think the autumn schedule, I mean, I, I think more will be added to it. But those four shows, I think, were pretty good. I think the WBSS is an unexpected but pleasant surprise. I suppose all surprises are unexpected, aren't they? A pleasant surprise. Um, the two smaller shows, the undercards, are probably better than the main events. But still, there are things on there worth watching. And there's no extra fee. So I'm always happy with that. A bit tight, obviously. Um, and yeah, the White-Povetkin rematch. Plenty of intrigue there. And we look to see if uh, Usyk Chisora will be rescheduled for the end of October. And hopefully then AJ and Poo level get on in December. So Sky are making moves. I know a few people out there have been disappointed that they're not um, taking the uh, all the international shows, or certainly haven't yet. As I said, they missed out on the Charlos, that big show, which I think is one of the best shows of the year so far. Um, and we hope, um, if you're a Sky Sports subscriber, we hope that they get uh, Teofimo Lopez and uh, Vasily Lomachenko for all the, or most of the lightweight titles. Apologies to Devin Haney for that slip. Um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, if they don't, then it will probably end up being having to be paid for, like Fight.TV or, or another online platform. You know, Seconds Out would be happy to uh, put it on in the UK, but I can't see us being able to afford the rights fee for that one. Um, but fair play to Sky if they do end up getting it. But as Adam Smith explained, and you'll see the full interview later this week, it's very difficult for them to make it pay as a business, especially in the current climate, to take shows from the US that don't go... Um, live with the main event until four or five o'clock in the morning it's just not viable for them and I can completely understand that um, so they might lose some of the hardcore boxing fans but to make Sky Sports work as a model the main thing they're looking at is casual sports fans 
And I think the autumn schedule, particularly the White Povetkin rematch, will fulfil um, the desire on the part of that market. Um, but let me know what you think. What did you make of Sky Sports and Matchroom's autumn schedule? Were you impressed? Were there things you would have changed? Let us know um, and I'll respond to some of the comments. I'll be back next Monday for Flex uh, for Reflections. Apologies. And this Thursday for Flexpectations at 4.30. I apologise for the screen going a bit dark at the end of this recording. It's because my charge is not plugged in for my laptop. Um, so until I switch it on, it will stay a bit dark. But yeah, only for the last bit. And I'll be back next week. Um, I'll be back Thursday and then next week. And I'll see you all soon. It's a pleasure. Cheers. Struggling with debt? Bills, loans, credit cards? Need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO. Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters. Razavan here for IFL TV in association with MTK Global with me this afternoon on a very hot sunny day. I've got Fabia Wardley. Fabia, you alright? I'm good, I'm good. How's things now? You all good? I'm good, I'm good. Enjoying the sun while it's here? Yeah, a little bit. I was out and about in it a bit today, so nice. It's been nice weather. Uh, Fabio, um, 9-0, 8 KOs now. Um, Ticking along nicely. I know linking up with Dylan has helped obviously get onto mm. mainstream platform as well. But um, how do you assess obviously your last performance against uh, Simon Valili? Good, really good. I was happy with it. Um, there was nothing I really like. I've watched it back a few times now, and there's nothing too much I can pick at really of myself that I that I did too wrong. Or there's little mistakes here and there. But like I say, I'm only. I'm only nine fights in. I'm I'm still near on a novice, so I'm still working some kinks out and things. But other than that, I was I was happy with the performance. The only probably thing, the only thing I maybe wanted a bit more from it was just a more a bit more of a challenge and some more ring time. But it kind of I like a lot of people were saying that I made it look easy, which then kind of takes away a bit from the credit I felt like I may have should have got from it a bit. But it is what it is. Like it's no biggie. I, I got the win and I'm I'm happy with my performance. So. Yeah, it was good. Is it hard because you, you go into the ring and at the end of the day, you still want to learn. You want to gain as much experience as possible for those tough fights down the road. But you get in there, you just take your opponent out in a couple of rounds and it's, it's over. You're, and you're ready to go again, more or less. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. Like, like, like the, old, the, kind of the old saying is you don't get paid for overtime in boxing. So you just take the opportunities when they come. And that's, that's obviously a massive thing, which... A lot of my fights have, have all been finished in, I think all of my fights bar one have been finished under three or four rounds. So I've not really had that, that to push that much and had to, had to go that far into the late rounds and stuff. And, I, and you want to kind of get that done and dusted and get it out of the way as early as possible really in your career because you don't want it to come at a late time where you're in the deep end and it's a hard fight and it's, you don't know how far, you've, how far you can go or how much you've got left in the tank. So... It is something I want to do, but again, you're never really going to grumble too much at an early stoppage. I know you obviously fought at the, at the notorious fight camp and it was all mm. glitter and glamour. 
but you had no fans there. And I know you fought on Dylan's other undercards where the O2 has been packed out. So was it different fighting without the fans? And does it make you different a different fighter without the fans? Uh, me, personally, no. It was weird because I expected it to feel a lot stranger than it did. But the only thing that felt particularly weird was the ring walk because that's the only time that you're not really in like that kind of tunnel vision kind of zone of focus on your opponent and you kind of you take that ring walk you take the opportunity on that walk to kind of soak in the atmosphere taking the energy from the crowd your supporters people saying your name and all of that and that's that little moment where you kind of probably pay most attention to the crowd and then once you're in the ring and the bell goes then everything's gone everything disappears and it's, it's tunnel vision from there on so that was the only kind of strange moment of it. In the middle of the fight, it, it didn't play on my mind at all. I know Eddie said, uh, I think you were fight count week two, I believe you were, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Were you week one? Uh, one, first one. one. So I know there was talks about you coming on Dylan's undercard as well. Mm. So you're, you're practically ready to go. It's, it's been a few weeks now since. So any ideas of dates, location, or, or which card you were going to feature on next? No, we're um, we're just playing around a bit. Like I say, this it's difficult with the times of kind of where everything is at the moment. I know Eddie's released a few shows and things, and he's hoping to squeeze a few more in and stuff. But it's it's an odd one because with where we thought we'd be in terms of live live sports and boxing and things, is we're a few steps back from that because we thought we'd be moving forward. But now there's there's new lockdown rules and new engagement rules and stuff. So it's all a bit kind of in a funny place, but I'm, I'm fit, I'm ready, I'm waiting, Dill knows that, Eddie knows that, so when there's, when there's a good space, there's a good spot, then we, we know when we're going to go. I was going to touch on that, because obviously we've just come down from a, a national lockdown, where everything came to a standstill, and as fighters, we know you guys don't get paid, unless you fight, um, so is this kind of scary times now, I know there were discussions today, I saw on the news about potentially the volumes of uh, virus increasing and, and deaths will increase eventually as well. So is it scary times yeah. that we might be going back into that zone again? Yeah, it's not ideal in any case, is it? Like, we just, if, if anyone could, I think we just all want this over and done with and just be able to kind of get back to normality. And we've, we've slowly been moving there, but if it comes back around again, then like realistically, what can we do? I, I try not to worry or grumble too much at those kind of things because... It's out of everyone's control. We just kind of have to do what's what's best for everyone and, and safest for us as a, as a nation and just try and power through the situation and make do. Like you saw with Fight Camp, that was a great example of just us powering through the situation and being like, right, regardless of what's going on, we're still going to get our boxing out. The fighters are still going to fight. They're still going to earn some money and still going to get there. And, and if we get that a, a second wave or another letter of lockdown, then we just have to do that again. That's all. But also, obviously, Dylan, as your manager, obviously took that um, shock defeat to Povetkin. Um, mm. Rematch is happening. But before we even speak about the rematch, was it? do you think it was a complete low for, for Dylan? Because obviously, he's waited so long for that mandatory shot. Uh, and we just don't know. You know, the reality is, I know Maurice Suleiman has come out and said the next mandatory for the WBC will not be due for at least another year. So even if Dylan was to beat Povetkin, it's at least another year and hoping that there's no kind of crossroads when that year comes. Mm. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That, that defeat would have hurt like kind of extra 
sport for a number of reasons, but obviously one of the biggest ones being that he was so close to finally getting that chance that, that he's so well-deserved, that he, sh- he should have had a long time ago. But it's just it's just the way the game goes, unfortunately. Like, it's, it's high risk, high reward. And, and Dill is, is a credit to himself and a credit to boxing in terms of being that, that type of guy that's willing to put it all on the line against them top them top tier opponents and, and willing to risk him all for the all for the one, the glory and two for just putting on a good show for the fans that are gonna pay for that and gonna watch it. And I was talking about it with someone a few days ago just to say that like Dill's never in a boring fight. Like whether he's going down, the opponent's going down, whatever, someone is going down and, and no matter what's happening, the fans, supporters, whoever we're all being entertained. So it's a, he's a credit to him, and it's, it's a shame he doesn't get his kind of just rewards for all them fights before that he's, that he's put on the line and all them tests he's put himself through, but it's, it's just the way it is, unfortunately. Do you feel like the rematch is too soon? Because the nature of the defeat, do you feel like... And I know Dylan's a fighter, and I know he wants to get back in there and put the wrong right, but is he jumping in too soon with Povetkin? And we're talking, what, 13 weeks since the first fight? Um, I don't think it's too soon. No, like don't get me wrong, it was it was a it wasn't a nice knockdown at all. It was a clean out and gone. But in the same sense, he didn't take massive amounts of punishment like it, through any real point of that fight. There was just that one punch and it, that clocked him and he was gone from that. So it's not like he took an onslaught or a beating at all, or his body's been through a massive amount of kind of pain and stress and. And whatever, don't get me wrong, that, that punch will have taken its toll and will do a bit to you. But I think, I think 13, 14 odd weeks is, is ample time enough to, to kind of recover, recoup and, and go through that again. We know we were hoping to see Dubois, Joyce and other two heavyweights uh, clash in this month of October. Well, in a couple of weeks in October. Looks like that's not going to happen now as well because of no live gate. Is that... Do you feel like that's going to be a big problem now moving forward for the next six to seven, eight months where there's no live gate and these big fights can't happen? But in America, we are seeing people like Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko putting money aside, putting live gate aside and saying, listen, the best fight, the best, it's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen now. Yeah, of course. You're going you're gonna to have, have that. You're going to see them, them fighters that are real, real fighters, real boxers who are willing to say, you know what? I'll take less money just to get this fight on, just to move my career forward, just to just to get that opportunity. Because otherwise, if we all just sit around and wait, the sport will die out. We as fighters will die out. Our careers will fade out. It's just everyone will be put back 10, 15, 20 steps. Like we need to we need to take kind of responsibility in this and and keep this sport as a whole going and, and keep the, the vibe around it going. Because like these past maybe five, ten years have been massive for boxing. Like there's been a it's been like almost like revitalized and picked up again and it's just been massive. There's been great fights and great entertainment and and the buzz around boxing as a whole has been building. So we we as we as all boxers and everyone involved need to kind of take that on the take that on our shoulders and, and move forward with that and be happy to take a little less money and just to get them fights on and keep things going. Don't get me wrong, I think it's a dangerous sport and everyone deserves every penny they can get. But at the end of the day, if, if you want to move your career forward, then you need to you need to just kind of take that little bit less and, and move forward. We know Eddie said himself that, you know, 
there, he's got many fighters that want to go into those fights now, those 50-50 fights now. Some fighters are not ready, so they'll just wait until we can go back to having a live gate and he can put on, uh, put fighters in smaller fights. But with yourself now, what level do you think you're at now, the British, the European? Which level do you feel like you can mix in with now? Uh, I'm I'm around British level, yeah, definitely. I can I can take on pretty much any and all British level con- contenders. I have no I have no issue with that, and and Eddie knows that as well. And so does Dill. Like like Eddie said in interviews before, Dill has and me have never said no to any opponent they've suggested to me. I've always said yes. I'm always down for it. I'm I'm good for it. And I think that's what what Eddie likes about me and kind of Dylan and us as a whole and everyone that he does have under him that we don't say no we're, we're cool for anyone you name them we'll turn up and we'll be there and we'll do our job like and I think especially now more than ever is the time to kind of prove to people like Eddie and promoters around and just the boxing world that I'm willing to take those bigger fights those riskier fights I'm not trying to fight German over four six rounds do that two or three times a year, maybe then test myself at the end of the year. Like I'm if I want to go back to back to back to good competitive tough fights, then then I'm willing to do that. And I think that's where boxers need to show that now because when it does come around for the, the live gate is back and and then there's the opportunity to be in them big fights and, and earn the money. I think people like Eddie and, and other promoters and stuff will realise they'll give those opportunities to the ones that were willing to kind of risk it in the middle times and not just wait out the hard period and then come back at the end for when all the money's back. I just want to get your opinion on on Fury. Uh, Tyson Fury, obviously, regarded as the number one heavyweight on the planet at the moment. We know he's got his rematch with Deontay Wilder. Uh, but it seems like whenever we try to get these big clashes, these undisputed clashes, no matter what weight category is, the mandatory is always getting in the way. Fury went, uh, I think it was yesterday before, he did say in an interview that Josh to Joshua, do not let the WBO dictate our undisputed clash. If they say you you have to fight Usyk as your next mandatory, then just vacate the belt and let's make the fight. Um, we all want to see that fight, of course, but is it important for that fight to be for an undisputed clash or just because it's Fury and Joshua, it suffices? Um, yeah, of course. Just because it could be Fury and Joshua in a car park with no belts, like it, it wouldn't matter. The, the, the pretty much the whole of British boxing would be interested in that fight, would tune in and would want to watch. And the belts on top, they just add that extra level of spice and that extra level of kind of competition and that more to the show to make it that more glamorous. But whether whether Josh should vacate or not is is a choice in his own, really. It's, it's a difficult one to say because he's worked hard for them belts, not just the fights with Ruiz, but before that, building up to that, putting that putting all that time in and, and doing them fights and winning them belts and stuff. So to just say to someone, yeah, just, just throw that belt away. Like it's nothing. It's a difficult thing to kind of ask any fighter to do. Like you've, you've worked hard for that. You've put blood, sweat and tears in for that belt. So it's difficult to say, oh, just cast it aside just because there's a bigger fight down the line. It doesn't mean it's the right or wrong thing to do or you should or shouldn't. But there's, there's just an extra level of kind of, you need to take a second with it and, and maybe consider your options. Cause it's, it's something, it's a big choice to make because you throw that belt aside then now that belt's with someone else and maybe you don't have the opportunity to even fight for it for 12, 18, maybe 24 months because of voluntaries, mandatories, then your fights and how that schedule works and everything that's going on in the world at the moment. You you might not even get the opportunity to see that belt again for near on two years. So it's it's a difficult one for to tell someone just to do that. 
we, obviously we know that fight's not going to land in the UK. There's, there's just not enough money, but obviously guided for the fans and everybody who want it in the UK, but surely we can understand it from a fighter perspective. When you're getting paid two, three times the volume that you would generate in the UK, of course, you'll, you'll fight abroad for that fight, right? Yeah, I think so. And I know, and it's the old kind of the cliche of saying, oh, well, you're getting paid enough already, so you should just do it for the fans and things. And yeah, I understand there is that aspect of that. But at the end of the day, I think if you took up, if you kind of weighed up any British fan and said, look, you can get X amount here, or you can get, or we can give you three times more, what are you going to do? Like, which it's easy to be on the other side of the fence to say, like, oh, yeah, you should just do it here for the fans. But if you took that same person that's saying that and said, look, we're going to give you this amount of money, or we can give you four times as much, but if you do it over there, that person themselves isn't going to go, oh, no, I'm just going to do it here for everyone. So it's it's easy for everyone to say, like, when they're on the other side of the fence, when they're not the ones having to make that choice, but it's, it's obvious. And again, like I said, fighters deserve to get the maximum they can get. Like, at the end of the day, you're putting your life, your genuine life on the line. Like, not so much kind of recently, but in the few years ago and things, we had a very rocky period of, fighters being hurt a lot and going into comas and and some dying and things like that so it's been a it has been a rough period for the boxing as well so we've seen the fruits of that that we need to kind of they need that compensation up front kind of that you can get x amount of money for them fights okay uh fabio appreciate you jumping on give me a little bit of time this afternoon we look forward to some fight news hopefully uh, i know the dylan white card hasn't been fully announced yet um, Dylan's obviously going to be fighting in November so maybe you, you get the slot yourself and Babich uh, on, on the undercard uh, and we look forward, to, look forward to hearing uh, what's next for you Good, appreciate it mate, thank you very much Fabio Wardy for IFL TV, thank you very much Cheers guys, thanks With debt, bills, loans credit cards need a way out? Knock your debt out with Debt KO Free, impartial advice on all your debt matters.